Full Service Radio is supported by Compass, the future of real estate in the metro D.C. area and beyond. Discover more at compass.com. Tune in to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. I live work. I love beer here in D.C. Uh, During my time in culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer. I continued my studies in beer at grad school at NYU, and since then I have been a beer director, beer bar general manager, and I get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. So every week I will have a different guest from different parts of the beer world, Uh, brewers, importers, educators, writers, uh, to help us uh, continue to explore this fascinating and ever-changing world. Uh, Whether you are new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So uh, in September of 2014, I was invited to be on two different beer panels at Bon Appetit's Feast Portland. Um, It was exceptionally fun. We did a panel on sour beers and then a panel on session beers. And uh, very, very different crowds for both of those. (laughs) And at the end of the session beer panel, um, this very sweet, very wonderful woman, uh, Lucy Burningham, came up to me and wanted to talk a little bit about serving uh, beer with food. I was currently the beer director at 11 Madison Park uh, in New York City. And we got talking, and I f- come to find out she is doing research for a book that she's writing. Um, and basically, it's her journey studying for the Cicerone exam. And she was talking about how she's planning this trip to Belgium and Germany. Uh, immediately, I got very excited and started listing off all these breweries that she had to go to. Um, and kind of out of the blue, she said, oh, do you want to go with me? And this is a person I just met. We're talking in the park. I'm a little buzzed from all of the uh, beer I just drank. But I said, sure, yes, um, you're a stranger, and I definitely want to travel to a foreign country with you. Um, So then over the course of a couple months, we continued to talk uh, via email about our plans uh, for this trip. And um, we just met in Belgium and, uh, you know, journeyed from there. We got to go to some exceptional breweries, uh, De Glazen Torin, Dreyfontein, Cantillon, Rodenbach, just to name a few. Uh, it was a magical and wonderful beer trip. Um, Lucy has since uh, published said book, uh, My Beer Year, Adventures with Hop Farmers, Craft Brewers, Chefs, Beer Sommeliers, and Fanatical Drinkers as a Beer Master in Training. Um, She has written uh, for beer, food, and travel purposes for um, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, uh, Bon Appetit, the BBC, Uh, and she does also have another book uh, that is really great. It's called Hop in the Saddle, A Guide to Portland's Beer Scene uh, by Bike, and um, uh, she lives in Portland, Oregon, so 
It is currently, I believe, 8 a.m. in Portland, and she has agreed to come and talk with us. Lucy, thank you Sarah for Jane. calling in. Hello. That Hello. was such a lovely introduction. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for waking up at um, some ungodly hour, in my opinion. <laughs> no, I'm drinking coffee, and everything's good. Nice. Well, thank you again. Uh, so I thought that was a pretty good synopsis of how we met and that was our, perfect. our journeys. That was a perfect description. <laughs> I, I have to say, I don't always invite strangers to go to Belgium with me. That was kind of a unique, a unique moment. Thank you for making me feel special on that one. <laughs> it worked out. It worked out. We had a great trip. We had an outstanding trip. Um, I think one of the most magical moments for me was when we got to have a dinner with um, Armand uh, the Belder from Dreyfontaine and his family, which was, which was absolutely outstanding. There's a restaurant right next door to the brewery, and they do a lot of very like traditional uh, Belgian fare, you know, rabbit braised in lambic and that kind of thing. And it was that was that was, was probably wonderful. one of the more yeah. Do you remember of, how they served fries as like the vegetable? at all meals in Belgium. Yeah. You know, I'm remembering that dinner in particular. The fries came in like, you know, kind of like a little silver platter, a little um, beautiful thing. Like, here are your fries. Yeah, this is this is technically a vegetable. So here yeah, are your French fries. Vegetable. And it automatically <laughs> and comes with mayonnaise. <laughs> it is, these are my people. Um, didn't Armand tell you an interesting story about hollandaise? Uh, Yes, but I'm a little fuzzy on that one. I put you on the spot. No, okay. I know. Okay. I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on that one. He and I were, he, he, I guess he used to work in, in kitchens. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar, um, Dre Fontaine is, is one of the most famous uh, blenders, uh, producers in the world. Um, really, really, really beautiful products. And uh, so this this older uh, man and I are just sitting down at this uh, really magical dinner, talking about beer, drinking beers from his private cellar. Um, and I guess he used to work in kitchens. He was also very tickled by the fact that I went to culinary school. And I think we were just like griping about the pain of, of having to make hollandaise over and over and over again, <laughs> um, you know, until you get it right so that it doesn't break. And for those of you who are not familiar, hollandaise is a, one of the mother sauces uh, and it is emulsion, a uh, homogeneous suspension of unlike particles that'll never leave me. Um, well done. <laughs> thank you. Thank wow. you. <laughs> so, uh, you also continued on. I, I left, I had to go back to work and I forever will regret this for those of you out there who do any kind of travel or any beer travel. It, it's always worth it to just stick around an extra few days. Never rush back to work. It's just never call in sick. It's whatever you need to do. It. Well, so Lucy continued on to Cologne in Germany. Yeah. And I wondered, can you kind of share a little bit more about that? I was unfortunately not part of it, that part of the trip, and I'm forever I regret know, that. I know, I missed you terribly. You know, I really wanted to have an experience where I could sort of compare the Belgian beer culture to something else right there in Europe. Um, and Cologne was the perfect place to do that because it's the city of Kolsch, Mm-hmm. Uh, which means it's, Kolsch is kind of the only beer style you can drink there. I mean, not completely literally, but if you go to any pub in Cologne, they serve Kolsch. They serve it in a particular way. 
in these small little glasses. Um, it's, they're all served by men who are wearing blue aprons. I mean, there's this very prescribed ritual to serving this beer. And I don't know about you, but I've never been in a city that has a singular beer style like that that sort of defines the town. So it was quite a contrast from Belgium, you know, where there are lots of beer styles and beer sort of integrated into, I don't know, I felt like it was part of the, the food and the culture in a very beautiful and subtle way. And Cologne was so different from that. I mean, again, beer was integrated, but in this very sort of prescribed German way. And it was it was beautiful. I actually ended up going to... Um, a pub where there were craft beers served and uh, they were sort of breaking all the rules by making sours, um, including fruit in beer, uh, doing the non, non-Kolsch thing. Yeah, and kind of rebelling against the German purity law, the Reinheitsgebot. So. Yes, and they were able to do this by labeling the beer. I can't remember exactly what the wording was. But they've found a way to sort of skirt the law, which I think is, is becoming increasingly common there. Yeah, you see, you see more and more of those kind of like beer rebels. Um, and, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying about, uh, you know, the Belgian beer culture kind of integrating. I feel like the best way to describe Belgian beer culture is that it's so effortless, you know. Ooh, that's such a good word. It's like. Yeah, I mean, and they're, they're using the proper glassware with the, the brewery names you know, to correspond with the beer. Everything is, is precise. But yes, there's this effortlessness to it. Just like, well, of course we would do this. Yeah. Right? Of course we have the exact Here's food to pair with exact beer. And it's never, it's never any, any kind of work or anything like that. Right. And the beer is always lovely and delicious. And of course. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, the only thing it with, made me. It made me. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say the only thing with with Belgian beer. I think that you and I struggled with a little bit was that typically it 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 starts at like six percent ABV and it just oh. goes up from there. Oh, so um, hard, so and, hard to keep up with all those those beers. Yeah, it was it was challenging, and and Lucy and I were both. Uh, we were both haven't driven. I I had been living in New York City for years, so I, I obviously hadn't had a car for a long time. And, uh, you know, Lucy, you drive stick, right? <laughs> I do. Yeah. So we had an automatic car. Named, we named her Clara. And, um, yeah, it was, it, you know, definitely keeping track of all of that was a little bit difficult. <laughs> I know. I know. We, we were taking turns and strategizing and trying not to have hangovers. And, yeah, there was a lot to coordinate. There was a lot of, yeah, a lot of uh, beer coordination. Basically, you, you need someone to go with you who, you know, just doesn't drink and, you know. Yes, that's what we need <laughs> next time. Just our constant, our designated driver for the trip. Yeah, for. a driver yeah. the whole time. One day when, when we have endless amounts <laughs> okay, of, of our money. Next trip. Yeah, there it is. That's happening. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the actual, you know, the whole reason behind going to Belgium and all these other things was you were studying for the Cicerone exam. Yeah, it was. And, and I was interested. Oh, yeah. But I was, um, for, for those of you who haven't listened to all of the shows, this is a good opportunity for you to go back and uh, re-listen to the show uh, that we talked all about the Cicerone. We had a lot of uh, different people who had their certified Cicerone and kind of delved into that. But today, 
Uh, we are talking with Lucy Burningham, uh, author of My Beer Year. Um, so, Lucy, what was what was that process like for you? Well, I've been thinking about taking the exam for many years. I was working as a beer writer, which was, you know, it's a great job, right? Mm-hmm. But I would sort of dive into one style or one topic within beer for a specific article and then move on to something else. And at some point I realized I wanted to have a greater knowledge of beer and sort of move from this person who was observing the beer world and beer culture from the outside to somebody who was in it. And when I heard about the Cicerone exam, it seemed like it would be a really great way for me to do that and sort of make that transition because the exam covers a lot of material. Um, Beer history, beer styles, tasting, you know, your palate needs to sort of develop, um, serving, just, it was sort of like an all-encompassing exam, and I felt like that would be a good, a good way for me to sort of approach your expertise. So I looked into it and realized what a commitment it would be, so I kept putting it off and putting it off, um, and when I finally committed, it was still really daunting. You know, there's no, there aren't any courses you take, there's no one you're studying with, you're sort of on your own. You sign up for the test and it's go time. You know, there's a syllabus you can look at and you need to figure out how to learn material. So I started out by figuring out what kind of experiences I could have. You know, someone who really learns through experiences. I also can do the book reading and the flashcards, but I really wanted to be out in the world learning about beer. So that was the approach I took. Yeah, it is a it is a daunting. It's also a lot of information to kind of oh, cram so in much. to, I mean, you know, like you said, between like history and culture and styles and tasting, but then there's also like draft systems, you know what I mean? Right, right. And because I'd never served beer professionally, I really had to learn all that stuff just right, right then, studying for the exam. Um, I feel like people who are working in the industry already are in a, a really great spot, especially if you've you know, serve beer in any capacity where you, you understand how draft systems work. I actually had to go to, I went to Hair of the Dog Brewery a bunch of times mm-hmm. and help them clean the line because I had no idea how that process worked, um, when you would do it, how long it takes. So I had to really go in for the basics. Oh my gosh. And cleaning faucets yeah. and everything like that. No, it's a, it's a crazy amount of work. Well, we are going to take yeah. a quick break, and we'll be right back uh, with Beer Me uh, with our guest, Lucy Burningham. Full Service Radio is supported by Compass. Discover Compass, America's first modern real estate company. By pairing the industry's top agents with technology, Compass delivers an incomparable client experience from the first-time buyer to the seasoned seller. Visit them today in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, or navigate compass.com day or night. Welcome back to Beer Me. I am your host, Sarah Jane. 
And we are recording live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Um, my guest today is Lucy Burningham, author of My Beer Year. We were just talking about uh, the Cicerone exam and kind of how that process is really difficult, really uh, daunting. Uh, so, Lucy, at the end of the day, you did get your certification. I did. I did. It was a, it was a happy ending for, <laughs> for my book. Um, it was a lot of pressure and a lot of work. And I, you know, even in all the work that I did, I still felt like the exam was hard. You know, I didn't go in and just sort of breeze through it and feel really confident. I really didn't know if I had passed when I walked out of the exam. Uh, and um, how long do you have to wait afterwards? Difficult. To wait, I think it was six weeks, which just felt like an eternity, you know, and that gives you plenty of time to go back and look up all the questions you were unsure of and figure out exactly what you got wrong. So yeah, that was that was a long time to wait. That is stressful. So when you did pass, <laughs> I'm sure you celebrated. Do you remember the beer that you celebrated with? I celebrated with a Dre Fontaine. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but of course I thought of Belgium. And I thought of you when I had this moment when I passed, because that trip was just one of the highlights of my, of my study time. I mean, to be able to explore a new culture like that and really have people let us into their, their lives and their thoughts about beer and history. So I wanted to return to that moment and sort of celebrate what was kind of the crown jewel of my, my research. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Such a good trip. <laughs> it is. Take yeah. me back. Yeah, take me. We gotta go. go. Back. We'll what just, are you doing next week? <laughs> I'm free. It's all good. I'll I'll write a very nicely worded, you know, email to my boss and just take off. Yeah, we're, we can both <laughs> just call in sick. <laughs> that totally works. Um, so, you know, kind of from your book on. I mean, I'm. You're still you know, definitely in the beer world and, and, you know, writing and doing different things. But, you know, is there any project that you're working on now? Well, I am actually, speaking of next week, I'm going to London next week for the first time ever. I have never been to the UK. And as a beer person, it just seems, you know, it's kind of like a crime. So I am thrilled to be going to London. The first thing I'm doing when I get there is going to tour Fuller's. Oh, um, nice. And the head brewer there is Georgina, a woman, which is very exciting. Yeah. So um, I'm excited to drink some cask ale in London. Oh, yeah, for sure. And for those of you who haven't listened to the episode about waxing poetically about cask ales, check it out uh, with the uh, Silver Branch Brewing Company um, opening up in Silver Spring pretty soon. So what brings you to uh, the UK then? You know, I am, I get to represent Portland beer scene, uh, Travel Portland, which is kind of the local tourism board here. Mm-hmm. They're doing a pop-up in London. So they're creating kind of a mini Portland and inviting Londoners to come in and experience what Portland has to offer. So I will be there pouring some Portland beers, talking about the beer scene, um, and signing my book. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So what, so then this, in this little, like, you know, you know, micro uh, representative representation of, of Portland, what, um, what's important that that you want people to know about Portland beer in London? You know, 
I want to give them a little bit of context about how Portland became this world-class beer city, which I really think that it is. Um, you know, people here have this sense of individualism and sort of pioneering spirit, and I think that's really affected how the beer scene has evolved here. You know, we had these early brewers in the 80s who were just going for it, like the Widmer Brothers, who was like, I'm going to make a Hefeweizen and see if America will drink it. And now it's sort of this iconic beer. I feel like they sort of set the stage for what has come about, which is this incredibly diverse beer scene where people are able to express themselves, try new business models. Um, cater to their neighborhoods. I mean, I still am just amazed that breweries keep opening here, but they do. You think you, when will Port- it stop? Port- I don't know. Portland has uh, the most breweries per capita, I believe. From, yes, from that's true. Yeah, tr- I, I don't know the exact number. I, I will know by the time I get to London. I think we're in the eighties, eighty something breweries in Portland. Oh my gosh! And that's not I a. Know. That's. I mean, the city is large, but not you know. Not crazy big, so to have 80 breweries in there, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, I went a couple blocks from my house. There's a great homebrew shop. I went over there the other day. Suddenly, out of nowhere, it seemed to me, there's a brewery now inside the homebrew shop. You know, like five beers on tap, all theirs, a bar. Just, I feel like it's, yeah, it's just there are breweries popping up everywhere. So in the spirit of uh, promoting Portland travel and uh, beer travel in general, uh, let's say uh, one of the beautiful people of Washington, D.C. decide to go to Portland. What are some <laughs> must, must visits for them? Oh, where to begin? Well, you know, of course I'm going to say you should get on a bike and of go course. to a couple breweries because Portland is such a great town to ride bikes in and it's so fun to go between breweries safely right? Mm -hmm. You're wearing a helmet, you're doing things responsibly. Um, But it's really so much fun to kind of be out in the city and sort of see how these breweries are connected to each other geographically by riding a bike there. I would recommend going to Upright Brewing. I don't know if you've had a chance to go there, Sarah Jane. I did. Did you? Yeah. You did? It's outstanding. Such a wonderful little gem. They, um, Alex Gannon makes really great saisons and farmhouse ales, and the brewery tap room itself is located in the basement of this building. There's almost no signage for it, so you kind of have to know that it's there. It feels like a speakeasy or something. Yeah, it's under so the So you go shop. underground. It's really, it's kind of hard to find, which makes it very fun. But once you get down into the tap room, you know, you're, you're right there in the brewery. It's in the corner of the brewery. There's barrels. There's brewing happening. I just feel like it's a magical spot. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, if you need a little pick-me-up, there's coffee right upstairs. <laughs> That's true. It's so Portland. Yeah. All right, so Upright, and then and then give us Upright. A... I also love Breakside. Um, Breakside makes consistently excellent beers, and their brewmaster, Ben Edmonds, is just very talented, and it's been interesting to watch his, sort of his career develop, and as the brewery has grown and expanded to see what kinds of beers he gravitates toward. Um, they have become very famous for their IPAs, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to do that here in the Pacific Northwest because there's so many IPAs being made. But um, their IPAs are exceptional, like very clean, very drinkable. If they want to dial up the tropical fruit, it's always perfectly done. Um, they really excel at making 
balanced, drinkable beers. And in the in the age of New England style IPAs, it's very difficult to do that. <laughs> yes, and you know they're making their hazy IPAs, and that's something that's definitely that's happening in Portland right now. And some people love it, some people hate it. Um, but yeah, they're making their their hazy IPAs also. But nice. they sort of became known for their more classic IPAs and um, session IPAs. And um, I, I feel like last time I was in Portland, which was this past fall, uh, actually, Lucy invited me to be on a panel um, about Pilsners uh, for Bon Appetit's Feast Portland. Uh, Pilsners, So Fresh and So Clean, uh, was the yeah. name of our panel. I thought that was brilliant naming. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I came up with that with myself. <laughs> um, but I was, I was out there, and uh, if you have time for a quick, beautiful 45-minute drive... Uh, definitely check out Wolves and People. Um, a really, really, really beautiful uh, little farmhouse brewery. Um, and they're doing all kinds of styles. I mean, I feel like yeah. they just, you know, it's like they kind of point in a direction of, okay, I want to do this style, and they just nail it, you know? And they're yeah, they're really able to, you know, handle um, a lot of different skill sets, I believe, in, in, in making all these different styles, so... I love that place. And it is literally a farmhouse brewery. I mean, it's in a farmhouse. It's it's beautiful. It's on a hazelnut farm. Um, I just think it's a magical spot. Yeah, it's absolutely stunning. Well, uh, for those of you uh, DC listeners out there, uh, definitely, if you get a chance, go out to Portland, check out the beer scene. It's, it's never, it hasn't gotten tired or, or, you know, overdone it's it's still vibrant and beautiful and exciting uh so and lucy have you ever been to dc i have been to dc i actually went to dc for savor it was so many years ago it was probably wow eight years ago nine years ago mm-hmm. um and it was such a short whirlwind trip. I feel like I am due to come back and really explore the beer scene, which I'm sure has changed so much since then. Oh, for sure. Um, Drastically. I mean, what am I missing? What am I missing? Everything. <laughs> well, you should definitely come back for Savor, and um, everyone should check out Savor. We, we talked uh, two weeks ago with Adam Dooley from the Brewers Association, um, and, you know, this year's Savor is going to be just outstanding. Uh, the menu is just... He's working with a lot of local chefs and chefs uh, in Boulder and um, a lot of beer that's coming in is not going to be, you know, necessarily uh, stuff that you can typically get in D.C. A lot of these smaller breweries, you know, don't really have the capacity yet to distribute. So you're going to get to try some really, really cool, rare things. And from what I understand, um, you know, the brewers have to be there or there's somebody uh, from the brewery who would be able to answer all of your questions, you know, will be there. Uh, so it gives, you know, guests a really cool opportunity to really get questions answered and, and kind of dive into beer and food pairings, which to be able to try all those different ones. For those of you out there studying your Cicerone exam, uh, this would be a good opportunity. <laughs> yeah, it's a study. It's a study hall. It's a study session. Get there. Yeah. I wish I could be there. It sounds great. I'm such a fan of Adams, too. I, I fully believe he's going to bring some great food in. Excellent. Well, Lucy, thank you so much for taking time uh, early morning in Portland to call in and um, 
you know, take time out of your busy schedule today. I really, really appreciate it. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And, uh, you know, good luck in the UK. Enjoy all the, all of the cask beer that you can consume. Uh, Thank you. And thankfully, cask is uh, typically lower in alcohol, so you can, you know, have at it, you know? Yeah, different than the, the Belgium experience in that sense. <laughs> Well, thank you all for listening. We record live at the Line Hotel every Monday at 11 a.m. in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Uh, check out other episodes at beerme.fullserviceradio.org. Uh, thank you. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts, covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at fullserviceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.